BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, August 1st edition of the show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And this will be a little bit of a shorter show. I'm sure some of you that are doing the podcast or listening to the podcast will appreciate this because uh, I've got some things that need to be discussed and have not had a ton of time. I will go ahead and tell you, having a wife that is an elementary school teacher Heading into the school year is a bit of a disaster. There are always a thousand things going on. Uh, She had to have some dental work done that I had to be involved with. I guess you could say I had to be there for. How's that? And, of course, we have a toddler that is starting preschool. I have a daughter that's starting senior year of high school. It's just been a little bit crazy. And with this now being a one-man show, trying to do the show from home on a week where I am technically on vacation is pretty difficult. So we got the one show in last week once I got back from Atlanta, and that was it. That was all I was able to do. So in-laws came in town over the weekend. That was that was definitely a lot of fun. But, uh, but now it is time to hunker down and get ready because we are in August, and that means there is football this month. Go ahead, pay attention to the BetUS football channel, BetUS College football channel on YouTube. We will be having a show on Wednesday. So make sure and set your calendar at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. We will be knocking out some more early game previews for Week 1. Excited to get into some of these. Really, really excited. Some of these teams, a lot of hype around them. We are going to talk with Parker and Kyle about what exactly to expect. Along with that, subscribe over there. Subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything channel. And if you've not already, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. That will certainly help things out. Like this video, if you would so kindly, etc. Now, now that all that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into the major topics that I've been wanting to hit on. We'll start off with the Big Ten media rights deal. And apparently, the guys over at Fox, uh, let's see, Fox Sports President Mark Silverman, who used to be the president of the Big Ten Network, he says that that should be expected by Labor Day. 
So first weekend in September, first weekend of college football, that is when we can expect to get some information about what the Big Ten media rights deal is going to look like. Who are the other networks that will be involved along with Fox? Is is anything going to go to streaming? Will Apple TV get some of this? Will NBC? uh, If NBC does not get this, are they going to give Notre Dame the $75 million? We are going to find out a ton as soon as that media rights deal is announced. Now, the Pac-12, likely going to have to wait until after this to get any real idea of their next package, right? Once this deal is signed, then you're going to also know what's going on with Notre Dame. That's the biggest thing. So the window that you are looking at for Notre Dame to make a decision, because there will be no expansion movement as far as the big dogs until Notre Dame decides what they are going to do. If they get the $75 bucks from NBC, I would imagine sometime between August, you know, middle of August through middle of October. That is when you are going to figure out what Notre Dame ends up doing. Are they going to stay independent? Are they going to join the Big Ten? Because this deal will be renegotiated as soon as Notre Dame decides that they want to move to the Big Ten, if they do. That's the biggest domino left to fall, and it will determine everything else that happens. If Notre Dame comes along, which we're going to talk about Big Ten expansion and whatnot towards the end of the show, if they come along, who do they bring with them? I don't think that the Big Ten is just going to sit on an uneven amount of teams. Now, we have seen plenty of conferences do that. But, just to guess, there will be somebody else that comes along with them. Now, we'll move on from there. Let's talk about the Pac-12. Pac-12 Media Days was on Friday, and George Klyovkov had a lot to say. Now, I'm not going to come out and talk about specific quotes or anything like that. There will be some that I mention here or there, but... Uh, what I want to know here, uh, which, uh, by the way, speaking of Pac-12, congratulations to Konzano uh, and Wilner. A new podcast coming out. Those two have been the voices of the Pac-12 for quite some time. I am beyond excited to be able to listen to both of them riff on what's going on in the Pac-12. And this seems like the perfect time to do it, right? There's a lot of people interested in what's going on out there. Those two guys know just about everything that there is to know. So congratulations to those two. Now, back to George Klyovkov. Was he just mad on Friday, or was there some truthfulness in his comments? Because everybody that I have talked to, everybody that I have read, seems to believe that his comment about, uh, we haven't decided if we're going shopping there, talking about the Big 12, and talking about the Big 12 being scared of the Pac-12, etc. I don't know that I believe any of that. I don't know that there is a single Big 12 school right now that would rather join the Pac-12. Now, I mentioned BYU before because I think, logistically, it makes a little bit more sense, right? As opposed to going from UCF all the way to BYU, etc. It seemed like that would make more sense. But when you talk about media valuations, it seems like the Big 12 is going to be worth significantly more, significantly more, excuse me, than the Pac-12 right now. Now, it all depends on who the Pac-12 ends up adding, but you hear that there's only been talk of Pac-12 schools moving to the Big 12. Has anybody thought of any Big 12 schools that would actually want to move over to the Pac-12? And are there any schools that the uh, Pac-12 would want? That's, That's my question here. I don't know that there is. 
And while it does surprise me a little bit, when you've looked at the grand scheme of college athletics over the last however many years, when you look at that and you think about the teams that were left over in the Big 12, their value, I would not imagine, would be higher than those teams in the Pac-12. But when you start looking at the late-night TV window, uh, et cetera, et cetera, the fact that the Big 12 just went and got BYU and now they're bringing in Cincinnati and UCF and Houston three big-time brands, and then you add BYU, that's a fourth. You bring those in, all of a sudden your media rights are worth a pretty big deal more than what we originally thought they might be. right? Bob's, Bob Bowlesby said that their media rights would be worth half as much without Oklahoma and Texas. That may be true, but that original media rights deal was done years ago, much the same way as the Pac-12s, but... When you look at the people that are actually watching the the games, you look at ESPN windows uh, versus FS1 windows, ABC, etc. You know, you have to take the channel into consideration. It's very interesting. Uh, another question I had here, how valuable is the late night window? Uh, it, without the regional sports networks, I don't know that it's that valuable. Uh, I did have, and I'm not going to be able to pull it up on the screen, but... I can read off some of the stats that I was able to put together right quick before I jumped in on the show. And if you look at just last season, 2021, you look at the late night windows, and there were 24 games that were broadcast on a network that actually gave out their ratings, right? Nielsen ratings, et cetera. There were 24 games, and not all of them Pac-12, not all Big 12, not all whatever, and only 10 of them had over a million viewers. Only two of those ranked higher than number 10 for the week, right? So, for example, uh, week 10, you had Utah and Stanford drew 452,000 viewers. That's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time game, and it was number 23 for the week. That was a Friday night standalone window. Now, on Saturday, you had USC and Arizona State on ESPN, now, the other one was on FS1, but this one's on ESPN. It drew 1.608 million viewers, and that was still only 11th best for the week. Uh, move back to, let's see, what's the highest rated game that they had, or the highest viewed game? Um, that might have been the one. That might have been it. 1.608 million for USC and Arizona State. And, da, 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 yeah. All right, so as far as uh, actual ratings, Utah and BYU on ESPN in Week 2, that one drew 1.503 million. That was on Saturday, September 11th, and it was number 8 for the week. So how valuable is that late-night window? Everybody talks about that when it comes to the Pac-12. I'm, I'm not certain, especially with the ones that are left over, because the ones that have drawn you know millions of viewers, uh, okay, I mean, BYU is already there. They're already in the Big 12. So the Big 12 will be able to have some of that late-night window. Other than that, USC is gone. UCLA is gone. Like, those are, those are your big ones. I'm, I'm just curious what to expect out of this. Now, Oregon is still out there. Uh, you, you put them at a decent window and give them in a... You put them in a good game, and they're going to draw some people, right? Week 4, Arizona at Oregon on ESPN. It got a little dicey. Uh, second half, roundabout, drew 1.656 million viewers, and that's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time kick. Uh, you know, very interesting. And, of course, that happened to be Oregon 
just a couple of weeks after they knocked off Ohio State. I want to know about that. Uh, the other question about the Pac-12, are they going to expand? Now, George Golovkov said that they are not interested in expansion right now, but of course, that nobody has ruled anything out when it comes to it. Uh, we've mentioned on the show multiple times, San Diego State would be somebody decent to bring in. Now, San Diego State's TV ratings, not all that great, right? We understand that. But when you look at who they may expand with, you are not looking for short-term value. You're not looking for right now. And it's much the same way that the Big 12 did, right? They expanded with teams that can continue to grow in big markets. It's the same thing the AAC just did when they brought in all these giant media markets with Birmingham. Birmingham's not a huge media market, but it is when it comes to college football. Charlotte, uh, FAU, down in Boca Raton, etc., right? You're bringing in the big markets. If the Pac-12 expands, you bring in SMU, something like that, you bring in San Diego State, etc., you are looking at a long-term play. Somebody that can establish in a big market like that. Um, now, again, you're not going to know anything about Pac-12 expansion until, uh, let's see, until the Big Ten rights are done. Really, around Labor Day or so. And if they go past Labor Day, then it is what it is. It just extends everything else out. Uh, but as far as that goes, I mean, you're, you're not going to know the current value of the Pac-12 deal for these schools, and nobody's going to sign a grant of rights until they figure out what's happening with Big Ten expansion, etc. right? Yet you want to know what's going on with that. You want to know what's going on with the Big 12 as well. I'm, I'm really curious what to think about with George Klyovkov. Um, does, does the Pac-12 try and go shopping for any of these Big 12 teams? I don't know. I don't think so, uh, but maybe you guys can tell me. You guys jump into the comments. I am I am very curious about this uh, because he came out just guns a blazing last week. It felt like because some of those some of those comments were very aggressive. I will say that very aggressive for somebody that seems to be pinned in a corner and doesn't. Everybody can say that they are all together, etc. But nobody's signing a grant of rights right now. Nobody's signing up to stay in that conference right now until they know all the details. And we're not going to know those until the Big Ten gets done. The next topic I want to hit on before we hit some ads real quick. Uh, Dan Mullen expected to sign a deal with ESPN to be a new college football analyst. And I got to tell you, Dan Mullen, former Florida football coach, former, uh, former Mississippi State football coach, he did really good things at Mississippi State and at Florida. Now, he let the culture get away from him in Gainesville. He was really good on television in the few minor roles that he had, coaches' film rooms, etc., cetera, uh, when he was on set with them for national title games or bowl games, etc. He's He's got enough of a dynamic personality to be successful doing both this and taking this in jumping over to whatever his next job may be. Now, I don't know what that would be, uh, but I think he'll be able to kind of handpick what he wants to do on the next go-round. And I'm not sure. Maybe you guys agree with me. Maybe you don't. Jump into the comments and let me know. Uh, but when it comes to... Here, I'm going to look up the college football hot seat right quick uh, just to see. But, uh, but yeah, all right. So Scott Frost, Jeff Scott, Jeff Collins, you know, could he win at Georgia Tech? Eh, I don't know. He's never been the head coach at a G5 school. I don't know that he has to this time. 
you know, could he go to Syracuse and take over for Dino Babers if, if Babers doesn't get it done? Um, could he take over at Colorado, somewhere along those lines? He seems more like a Big 12 kind of guy to me, but that could just be because I somewhat associate the Mississippi State football program with those of the Big 12, right? You don't expect them to win a national championship, but you do expect them to be competitive year in and year out and give people fits, upset somebody that you're not supposed to, go to bowl games, just be a successful football coach, and that's what he seems like he is if he's not going to be super involved in recruiting. That's just a guess. If Neil Brown doesn't get it done in West Virginia, Dan Mullen could do a lot worse than going to Morgantown. Just throwing it out there. Tom Allen at Indiana? Hey, Kevin Wilson was successful at Indiana uh, until all the off-the-field mess, right? <laughs> all the stuff that didn't happen during games. But Kevin Wilson, who is now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, he was, he was good at Indiana. They had a fun offense, they were competitive, and they gave people fits. That's what they did, and I think that's what Dan Mullen will do in his next job because I don't think he's going to be given another one of those big-time jobs where you have to recruit and where you are competing for national titles. I think he can build, and I think he can develop, and I expect him to do that after one year at ESPN. Unless he grows to love just talking on TV, in which case, hey, you can do a lot worse. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. All right, let's hit some ads, and we have got CFP Expansion Talk on the other side. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, our gambling picks, our store, the gear we use, and more. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get not only the full shows, but individual segments along with other goodies as well. We're over 5,600 subscribers right now, and our goal by the end of football season is 7,500. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. You can visit winningcureseverything.com slash store and see what all we've added. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And now... 
Back to the show. All right, college football playoff expansion. And last week at Big Ten Media Days, I didn't get to talk about it a whole lot, but the Big Ten said that they are in favor of playoff expansion, which is kind of funny considering that they decided to vote against it last year. And the big reason why they decided to vote against it was, of course, uh, they wanted automatic qualifiers, as if the Big Ten really needed that, right? They were always going to be one of the top six-rated conference champions, but they had an alliance with the Pac-12 and with the ACC. Now, I don't blame Kevin Warren for taking USC and UCLA if those two schools decided to reach out to the Big Ten, right? I don't blame them because Greg Sankey was in the exact same position. Texas and Oklahoma wanted to leave the Big 12. They reached out to the SEC. If the SEC did not take them, the Big Ten would have. If the Big Ten did not take USC and UCLA, the SEC would have, right? You have to make smart decisions when you realize that something is out there on the market and it's going to go somewhere else aside from staying where it is, right? We understand how that works. But back to the college football playoff expansion here. First off, let's talk about the fact that they are softening their stance on AQs, right? Kevin Warren admitted this last week. He said, yes. We are going to soften our stance on that. I don't know that we necessarily have to have automatic qualifiers if we are going to expand the college football playoff. Now, the AQ issue, and Sankey was big on this, right? You start attaching actual names to the highest-rated conference champions. You start just giving it to these five specific conferences, and you are begging for a lawsuit. You are begging for all kinds of things, right? And Mike Oresco with the AAC has let it be known that he ain't happy with the way that it's done, even though he got Cincinnati into the playoff last year. So, uh, yeah, as far as the AQs go, I don't know that we necessarily need them, especially if we're going to 12 or if we're going to 16. Uh, The only way that you could do it, really, and not get in trouble, is to, one, not attach any actual names to it, and two, uh, you might have to just give every conference their conference champion gets into the playoff. And if you do that, there's 11 conferences, uh, or, well, 10, if you don't include the independents, but 10 conferences, so you got those 10 champions, and then either two wild cards or six wild cards if you move to 16. This is what they talked about. They talked about moving to 16 teams. Kevin Warren brought it up, and then later Gene Smith, who said, you can't ignore the talk around 16. But my question is, who was saying it? I, I did not hear anybody in the media, on message boards, etc., other than a few people here and there on social media talking about how cool 16 would be, right? The idea behind it is if you had 12, you have buys. And those teams that get buys are much more likely to advance in a 12-team playoff than those, uh, than those that would have played you know 17 games at the end of it, right? The, the ones that lose their conference title game, the ones that uh, don't even play in a conference title game, etc. Those kinds of teams are the ones that are not as likely to advance in a playoff. So you're not looking at as many games, right? There's When you have 12 teams, you're looking at only having 11 playoff games. So in that situation, you get through 13 games if you play a conference title game. So you've got 13 there. And then you play a, you get a bye in that first round. 
So now you're still sitting at 13 games. Then you play your uh, quarterfinals. That is your 14th game, your semifinals. And that would be your, what, 16th game or 15th game. And then the national title would be the 16th game. Well, if anybody were to make it from one of those opening weekends in a 12-game format, they are the ones that would play 17 games. And that's it. You're only looking at one team that does that. If you play a 16-team tournament, everybody plays every weekend. So it does jump from 11 games, if you have 12 teams, to 15 games, if you have 16 teams. And I know who was talking about it. As I just asked, Gene Smith. Gene, who was talking about 16 teams? Well, it, it was Fox. We know that Fox has been in the ear of the Big Ten this entire time. Fox were the ones that did not want uh, the original uh, the original expansion idea. And the reason they didn't want that original expansion idea is because ESPN had the exclusive rights to negotiate it. Now, was there a way for this deal to get done and them go ahead and expand the playoff early before 2025? I think so. But again, they had the exclusive negotiating rights window to be able to expand it out further. And if ESPN is the only one at the table, yeah, that's going to change things. But that's the issue. ESPN was never the only one at the table. Fox has been in the Big Ten's ear the whole time. So that's who was actually saying it. Uh, I don't know that you can get this pushed through the way that it currently sits right now. Because if you do this, there are multiple teams that play 17, some that may play more than that. Uh, it's just kind of a wreck, right, if you have 16 teams because you're, you're adding a lot of extra games. So whoever plays in the national title game is going to add four games here. And you start looking at teams that maybe play Hawaii in the non-con and they get 13 regular season games and then it, you know, it, then it, it starts to get a little bit crazy, right? You start looking at a lot of games for a college football player. But I think the way that you get around that is you start working on that revenue sharing that was talked about last week. No, college football players are not unionizing. We've talked... I, I did not get a chance to talk about that with Sean, uh, Sean Clifford, et cetera, with the Big Ten and having all these meetings about player revenue sharing last week. Didn't get to talk about it. But it's not happening yet. But would it surprise me if, if it does happen? No. It would not surprise me at all because if you were to give $50,000 to all 85 scholarship football players per season you're only looking at a little over $5 million. And for these schools with an athletic budget, with with TV revenue of more than $100 million coming in a year, $5 bucks ain't a lot to throw out there. It's like 5%, right? It, you can find a way to give them fifty grand a year, something along those lines. And if you do that, if they're automatically in a contract, then you're good to expand to whatever you would like to. Because at that point, they can collectively bargain, they can talk about whatever they want. So... There are ways that this could happen. Do I think it's a smart idea? No, because your 1 versus 16 game is going to be a disaster. Your 2 versus 15, etc., those will likely be disasters, right? The only way that I could see somebody coming from that far back and winning, uh, whichever year it was that USC came on so hot towards the end of the season after they changed out quarterbacks, etc., you know, something along those lines where you've got a team that is just loaded with talent but starts off the year cold as ice, and then they're able to work their way back in, people would love to see that. Mm, I don't know. I, it, I feel weird about teams that are getting three and four losses 
being allowed into this thing. But we're moving that direction regardless. So it is what it is. We will close out today's show by talking about Big Ten expansion. Now, Big Ten expansion, I think, is done for the moment. Now, I mentioned this earlier. The only thing that will change it going forward will be Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is not going to figure out their media rights situation until the Big Ten media rights situation is done. And that will be around Labor Day. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Notre Dame is the next big domino. And the window for figuring that out is going to be uh, between now and mid to late October. Somewhere around there. In that situation, I don't think Notre Dame comes alone. I think somebody joins them from the Pac-12. But again, it's going to be a long time before we figure this out because you have to know what is the Big 12 going to get. Is NBC going to be willing to pay the Big 12 uh, a pretty substantial amount to get them to join Notre Dame on the network because NBC is not going to pay $75 million per season to Notre Dame for seven home games a year, right? They they will if it is paired with something that will lead in or lead out of a Notre Dame game, right? If you can have people stay on your channel for longer, then yes, it might be worth it. As it is, Notre Dame games on NBC routinely rate lower than Notre Dame games when they're on the road at ACC teams, etc., right? They just do because people are not used to watching on NBC. That's just the way it goes. Now, when you move back over to the Big Ten, of course they want Notre Dame. Notre Dame versus any of their schools is a monster matchup. I mean, just look at Notre Dame against Wisconsin last year. Massive, massive ratings. So, I'm curious which way that this ends up going because all of this stuff hinges basically on the Big Ten expansion or Big Ten uh, media rights deal. And then after that, it moves to what is Notre Dame going to do? What is the Pac-12 situation? Are they going to expand? Are they going to lose more teams? What happens with the Big 12? Do they end up taking teams, etc.? What are the numbers? Because that is what's going to dictate basically everything right now. I am so interested in this. And we've got football in less than four weeks. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking at right now is we have football very, very soon. And, and here we are still talking about expansion. I mean, just a disaster. Uh, regardless, we are going to get out of here. You guys have been fantastic. I certainly appreciate you guys watching the show, sharing it out, etc. Uh, we are at 6,375 subscribers on YouTube. If you hadn't subscribed, go ahead and do so. I will tell you this. There are a lot more people that are watching that have not subscribed than those that have. So I would appreciate it if you guys would subscribe to the channel. Go ahead and like the video for us. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Again, Wednesday at noon Central Time. We are going to be live on the BetUS College Football Show going over eight different ball games for this week. So you guys make sure that you are subscribed on that channel as well. You can find a link in the description down below. And along with that, uh, I will have SEC football previews this week. Tonight, of course, We've got this show. Tomorrow night, we're doing the SEC West. Going to start off with Alabama, move all the way through the LSU Tigers, and we are going in order of finish from last year. So, with that said, again, you guys are great. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, go over to the web store, all that good stuff. You heard it all in the ad. 
Uh, but go ahead and check that stuff out over at winningcureseverything.com. With that said, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. The website is winningcureseverything.com, and if you want to connect with us, we're on Twitter at GaryWCE, at ChrisBGiannini, at Winning Cures, or you can email us, Gary at winningcureseverything.com or Chris at winningcureseverything.com. Subscribe everywhere you need to subscribe, and we'll see you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.